ask. We ask these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Uh, Y'all can imagine a scenario. I take it. You can imagine a scenario where there is um, an established political order and uh, in that established political order, it has its, it has its place of power, like a, like a particular uh, city or um, district. You know, a, an established uh, political order has its place of power, and everybody knows that that's, where the, that that's the center of power for a nation, if you will. And uh, imagine that that, that that established political order gets corrupted. Imagine that the people who are supposed to be making laws that are just and equitable for their citizens are now, um, now motivated by greed to pervert justice. Imagine that the most vulnerable in their society are being exploited. And the people are looking to the leaders and going, what gives? You need to get your act together. And in fact, as you begin to dig in and you begin to know a little bit more about the established political order, what you find out is it is altogether corrupt. And really, instead of saying, hey, we need to get some reforms and we need to get some changes, you go, you know what we need? We need wholesale upheaval. You could say it one way, like we've heard groups say lately. You could say it like this. You could say, we need to burn down the system. Or you could say another way that we've heard it said recently, we could drain the swamp. Imagine that you're looking at everything and it has just been so incredibly infected with exploitation, greed, violence, fraud, deception, theft. And you look to this political center and you say, there's no way anything good can come out of you. And so you start to imagine, where could, where could we get? Where could we get some transformation? You go, well, it's not going to come from within. It has to come from without. 
This is what the prophet Micah saw in the 8th century BC. Micah was a prophet at the same time that Isaiah was a prophet. And, and to put it in historical terms, in the nation of Israel, there's a northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom's capital is Samaria and the southern kingdom's capital is Jerusalem. The northern kingdom is known as Israel and the southern kingdom is known as Judah. And, and, and what Micah uh, looks at and sees, he sees that there's altogether corruption in these seats of power. And unlike Isaiah, see, Isaiah was, a, was an urbanite. Isaiah lived in the urban center. And Isaiah, um, whenever he proclaims uh, the message, the prophetic message that the Lord gives him, you see um, him dealing with a lot of urban images and then also just kind of um, has, 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 has his, he's dealing with the nobles and trying to, reform and correct and call them to repentance. But Micah's not from Jerusalem. Micah's from Moresheth. And Moresheth is not a seat of power. Moresheth is like rural village. Moresheth's out there by Bethlehem. Mauritius a little bit in the country, y'all. And Micah, a viewing from afar, sees that there's so much corruption and he cannot see that the that any reforms are going to do. It has to be undone so that it can be rebuilt. And this is not just Micah's vision himself. I mean, Micah isn't just so clever that he came up with this idea. Micah is a prophet of the Lord. He's filled with the Spirit. He says it in chapter number three. He says, I am filled with the Spirit of the Lord and I'm speaking truth. And so the Lord's giving him this vision that, hey, listen, listen, there is, there's altogether corruption and it all is going to be undone, but it's only going to be undone so that it can be rebuilt. And in Micah chapter number five, the Lord tells Micah to proclaim this message to this other out of the way city, town, village, Bethlehem. He says, I'm going to read it in a different translation here. He says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one 
who is to be ruler in Israel. One whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days or from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock and the strength of the Lord. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Micah can't envision somebody coming from such an infected place of corruption. And Micah receives this hope and this promise from the Lord. I will raise one up. Not from the seat of power. But from little old Bethlehem. Now what's interesting about this is in in Israel's history, you would think that Bethlehem would be... uh, 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 more, more highly thought of. See, Israel's great king, David. David ruled Israel well. He was, the, he was the king that led Israel into a prominent place of power and authority in their region. See, David was the one who led military campaigns and, 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 and subdued the nations around them. Instead of Israel being uh, like this, this, this disparate group of tribes that were, that, that were in these other, like mixed in all these other kingdoms, they, they, they became unified and David led them to, 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 to conquer those other places to where those places were paying them taxes, giving them gifts. And David was from Bethlehem. And David is the story of this, of this kid. I mean, the, the initial meeting of David is nobody thinks anything about David. Jesse has all these sons and the prophet Samuel is going out to anoint a new king and he brings all of his sons before them. And the very first one that he brings before him, uh, Samuel even remarks, man, he is, he looks like a king. He has the makings of what it looks like to be a king. And the Lord says, don't you judge with your eye. Listen to me, because I'm not looking on the outside. I'm looking at the heart. And after Jesse had brought all of his sons before Samuel, and the Lord said, nope. No, no, he, 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 looks, he looks good, doesn't he? No, not him. 
nope, nope. Then Samuel has to say to Jesse, do you have another son? Oh yeah, I have a son that I didn't even bring out here. He's just a boy, he's just a youth. And where my other sons look like a little bit gnarly, manly, rough and tumble, he's a pretty boy. Think about that for a minute. The sweet psalmist of Israel was also the one who would be the greatest military conquering king of Israel. He didn't look the part. There he goes. Here comes David. And the second that David walks up, the Lord says, that's the guy. Now, David wasn't perfect by any means. While the prophet Samuel said, thou art the one to be anointed, later the prophet Nathan had to say, thou art the man who has done a terrible, horrible, exploitative, murderous, treacherous act. But David was their most celebrated king. In fact, from that time forward, if there was, all the kings were measured up against David. He was the benchmark. And you could read throughout uh, Kings and Chronicles, and they will say, this king did well in the eyes of the Lord, just like David. Or this king did not follow in the path of David. So all that to say is Bethlehem was the birthplace of their once great king. But by the 8th century BC, Bethlehem was out of the way and you were looking for power in Jerusalem. Everybody willed and dilled in Jerusalem in the southern kingdom, and they all willed and dilled in Samaria and the northern kingdom. And the people had forgotten. The people had forgotten that God doesn't look on the outside, but he looks on the heart. See, they had forgotten that about their own society because their society had risen to prominence and it had maintained prominence for hundreds of years. It maintained prominence. Their kings continued to rise up and and they continued to be able to, to defend their kingdom from invasion and attack of foreign nations. Their banks and their credit unions just kept getting more and more full. Wealth, affluence continued to grow throughout the nation and you could really see it in their seats of power. 
their temple unto the Lord in heaven was one of the wonders of the world to which people would travel and take pilgrimages. Foreign people, foreign kings and diplomats would come to Israel to meet their kings, to see their temple. On the outside, measuring it up with human standards, human metrics of, of, of we're doing well, of success. They were, to use a modern term, the bee's knees. They had it all together. And the Lord said, you think you have it all together because of all the success that you're enjoying. But all your success comes through exploitation, manipulation, deceit, greed, twisting and perverting judgment and justice. And if you want to know, Micah 2 verses 1 and 2 clearly outlines this. Micah 2 verses 8 and 9 clearly outline this. Micah 2, verses 1 and 2. Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. They go to bed at night thinking of ways that they can plot and scheme to get what they want. He says, and then they wake up in the morning. When the morning is light, they practice it. Every, every evil imagination that you have, you get up in the morning and you act on it. Because, why? Because they have the power to do so. They covet fields and they take them by violence. They covet houses and they take them away. They oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage, his inheritance, which was not given to them by their fathers, but was given to them by the Lord. Verse 8 of chapter 2. My people... Even now, my people rise up as an enemy. You pull off the robe with the garment from, excuse me, from them that pass by securely as men averse from war. If you don't understand that statement, it's you are taking things from people. You're, you're plundering people's goods so that they look like they are a soldier returning from battle. Battered, beaten, wounded. The women of my people have you cast out from their pleasant houses. From their children have you taken away my glory forever. Chapter 3 tells us that it is the leaders, the rulers... In fact, if you get down, it's all throughout that uh, chapter. But uh, verse number nine says, Hear this, I pray you, you heads, you leaders, you rulers of the house of Jacob, you 
princes, you rulers, you leaders of the house of Israel, you who abhor judgment or justice and you pervert all equity. You build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The leaders thereof judge for reward. They're not trying to, just so that we're clear here, they do it for bribes. The priests thereof teach for hire. They're all a bunch of hucksters. I mean, we don't see any of this stuff in our society, so I really have to spell it out for y'all, right? The prophets thereof divine for money. Yet, will they lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? No evil can come upon us. They forgot. Because all their affluence, all their corruption that they continued to get away with blinded them, deceived them, caused them to become delusional that instead of doing what the Lord had called them to do, being a unique nation where where the powers that ruled were just and equitable. Where the system that they were governed by did not exploit the most vulnerable, but helped the most vulnerable among them. Because they forgot that they were to be a nation that was not only blessed, but through whom People were blessed. The whole world was blessed. And because they were deceived because of all that they had, God had to send a prophet from Morasheth. And tell them, This is all going to be brought down to dust. And from that dust, the Lord is going to do a work. And he's going to do that work through a new leader. And the leader's not coming out of Jerusalem. The leader's not coming out of Samaria. The leader is coming out of little old Bethlehem. Well, how about that, y'all? From Bethlehem, right here in Bethlehem. And when Jesus was born, God made good on that promise. But I want y'all to see something. In Matthew chapter number two, when the wise men come from the east in fulfillment of Isaiah 60, what we read this morning. This morning, we stopped where it says, Arise, shine. A light is coming upon you. And I'm going to light this place up out of the darkness. After this thing gets 
removed to dust and ashes. I'm going to light upon you. I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to place my light in you. And everybody's going to come to that light. It says the Gentiles will come to that light and kings will come to that light. And then a few verses later, it says they will bring you gifts of frankincense and myrrh from Sheba. Where did the wise men go after Jesus was born? The most natural place they could imagine, Jerusalem. If a king is going to be born, he must be born in the palace. And they go to Jerusalem. And there, we find, once again, people have forgotten. They've forgotten. God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the heart. God isn't looking for the things that look powerful. That look prestigious. God is going to do this confounding thing. From little old Bethlehem. And in Matthew chapter 2 you read. That they go to Herod. Or they go to Jerusalem. Herod gets word that some men are coming to honor another king. Herod doesn't like this. And so Herod says. Bring him in. Let's, let's talk to him about this. And I said, well, all we know is that we, we got this vision that there's going to be this king who was born. And we just have, <laughs> Jerusalem made sense. So they go get the scribes and they go start searching the prophetic books. And the prophetic books say, not Jerusalem, they say Bethlehem. Micah 5.2. Oh, you little old Bethlehem. Out of you is going to come a leader of the house of Israel. So, let's just think about this for a little bit. Might we, like them, become deceived because of our affluence are having it together, our power, might we become deceived about the corruption, the deceit, the violence, the exploitation. Might we, as a people in America, do this? Might we, as individuals, do this? Might we who call upon the name of Jesus and say, I want to follow you as my Lord and as my King. Might we do this? Scripture is called a mirror. It's not a book that you read and you go, how dare they do that? It's a book that you read and you go, oh my goodness. That looks a lot like me. I have the capacity to do that. So we don't read a book about ancient people who became deceived and deluded by their affluence, by their wealth, by their power, by their might, where they ignored 
and or excused how they got that power, wealth, and might. And go, man, I can't, tisk tisk. I can't believe they did that. We read it and we go, Lord, help me. Show me. Show me where I'm deceived. We, we, we hear that they forgot that the Lord doesn't operate like this world operates. He doesn't need a king who looks like a king. And when he comes, as he came, he didn't really look like a king. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't laid in silk. He was not nursed by the best nurses in all the land. He had a scandalized mother, a father on this earth, uh, a good man that was taking a lot of heat for his unfaithful bride, I imagine. They might not have been welcomed to stay in the family home because they brought shame to the family. You're having a baby out of wedlock before you were supposed to legally and religiously consummate your relationship before God and your community, you got together and now you're claiming that it's a miracle baby. Okay. Okay. You're not welcome here, Mary. You can't sit at the family dinner table because you've brought shame and reproach to our house. Jesus not only was born this way, but as he rose up and became a man, and you follow him throughout his ministry, he's not going to the seat of power all the time. He's an itinerant preacher working through the rural villages of Israel. And we might forget that that's the way that God operates. On a Sunday morning, we might come in and our church building's not that full. And I can tell you this, I'm not one, I've never been one for numbers and you know, those kind of metrics for success for our ministry. We don't even count how many people come in every Sunday the Jews would be very upset with us because they kept a good record of all the numbers of people. So don't get me wrong, but I know what it's like whenever we're singing and the place is not as full as it was last week or the week before. And I know what it's like to feel like, oh man, God was really moving last week, but I guess he probably can't do much today. 
to be a church that people go, oh, First Baptist Church, we know where you are. No, 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 we're not First Baptist Church. Yeah, y'all, y'all right over there by your own brothers. No, 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 that's the other Baptist Church. Well, where are y'all at? Well, let me go through great pains to try to tell you. You know where Shadow Bend Avenue is? Yeah, you know where Shadow Bend is? You know where Montebello Estates is at? Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful neighborhood. Yeah, it is. We're right across the street. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I drive by there all the time. Well, awesome. But let's get beyond our church. Let's get into our homes. Sometimes we are deceived and we think, Great hostile shows of power are the way as men that we're going to get our family in line. Our kids in order. And I'm not against a well-intentioned and a well-meaning corrective swat. So don't get me wrong. But I am very against me losing my cool and yelling at my kids out of impatience rather than a fatherly love. That's not good. Jesus comes as this fulfillment of a promise to remind us God, he does not, he does not want us to be deceived about his power, his might, his work. It does not look like the seats of power of this world that we can say look very powerful and very awesome, very successful, but are built by corruption and greed and violence, and exploitation, and hostility, and deception. God sent his son Jesus, and he was born in little old Bethlehem, way out there past the red barn, and the third, past the third Del Earnhardt, mailbox. There's Bethlehem, right? And he wants us to know this about his king, that he works in these ways, these small ways that you and I do not believe are powerful. And he wants us to be reminded today that we can be deceived by different metrics of success about what is powerful, what is good, what is right. But we need to remember that God works through things like patience and adversity. He works through things like kindness against hostility. 
he works through things like you doing the good, honest, right work that does not bring you large sums of return on the front end, but after years and years and years of good, honest, hard work accumulates to a sound, healthy life. In this season, we celebrate that the wise men went to Jerusalem and they didn't find there a king. But they went a little further west, a little further south, maybe north, I forget. A little further west for sure. And they found that one-stop light town of Bethlehem. And they didn't find the plantation owner's home, Jesus. They found in the cattle hold, in a manger. this young child. And it was more than just the fulfillment of a promise. It was God once again saying, this is who I am and this is how I operate. And don't forget it. And don't be deceived that there's another way. And that carries all the way through until the time that he did not fight, kick, scream, whine, or complain, but he humbles himself, even unto death, even the death of the cross. And now God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what Micah tells us there in chapter 5 is he will be a good king. He does not operate in violence, hostility, greed, exploitation, manipulation, deceit. But he will operate like a shepherd. And he will feed his flock. And he will be our peace. And many of us follow him as king. And others are still being called to follow him as king. For those of us who he is our king, don't forget... He feeds you and he's your peace. Don't be deceived that anything else will be your peace. As I even think about the Christmas holidays and gift giving, the right gift is not going to bring you peace. There was this really cool 1985 FJ60 
mint condition Toyota Land Cruiser that uh, if I bought it something, I could be entered into the contest. So guess what I did? I bought something and I was entered into the contest. Guess what? I didn't get it. Go figure. But earlier through the week, as I was daydreaming, how cool would it be if I was driving that FJ60? The Lord had to remind me, that will not bring you peace. And you might go, well, I don't want an FJ60. Good for you. What do you want? What do you think will bring you peace? I bet whatever it is, if it's outside of Jesus and Jesus' way, you're being deceived. My brothers and my sisters, let's not be deceived by what looks like success. Let's look to the babe in the manger who rose to be the man on the cross who is now seated at the right hand of the Father and one day will come in all his glory. He's our way. He's the truth. He's our life. And with that I say, Amen. Will you bow with me? And this morning I would just invite you to talk to God about what God's talking to you about. Are there some things that you've been deceived about will bring you peace, happiness, joy? Are there some things that you think, you know, whether it's in the church or as the church, whether it's in your home, in your work? Is there some way that you've been acting that you think this is this is what real this is what you know this is what a real man does? That the Lord's saying that's not the way. Whatever it is, I pray that the Spirit will speak to you that you could come to the Lord. You could confess, God, I'm trusting in something that's just deception. Might you receive from him not only forgiveness and mercy, but might you receive from him a blessed word of peace and encouragement to go about following the way of Jesus. Lord God, I come to you today and Lord, I... uh, I ask that you would please be with my brothers and my sisters. You would hear their prayers. You would attend to their prayers, Lord. I pray that we would not be deceived. Lord, I pray and I ask that we would be encouraged and reminded and to trust in you, to follow you. How you've shown us who you are in your son, Jesus. I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name.
we're going to close in a song in just a minute. Um, but before we do, I uh, want to acknowledge today that uh, Brother Dean and Miss Annette are celebrating 52 years of marriage. Well, we celebrate y'all. Well done. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Amen. I know. I know. And she's the one who's had to do all the miracles, right? <laughs> we love y'all. We do celebrate y'all. May God be with y'all this week. Let's stand together and let's sing this, okay?